Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Man, I'm happy to be in church. How about you guys? Happy to be in church. So last... um, a service at the end of worship. Um, I had a vision, and I saw the I saw the Lord underhanding a baseball. He was pitching a, a, a baseball, and he was just like this, just real, real easy, you know, baseball. And he, I believe, he was pitching to us. And I just I heard him say, "I'm setting you up for the home run. I'm setting you up for the home run." You know, 2018, last year, the home home run derby champion was Bryce Harper. His dad was pitching to him. How many of you know that, 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 that fathers want to set their sons and daughters up to win, right? To win. And I believe he's speaking that over us this morning. I'm setting you up. It's just setting you up. And I say, okay, Lord, set, set us up. Amen. Thank you, Mikey. Give it up for Mikey, guys. So good. Happy birthday, Mikey. What was it? 22 yesterday? Was it 22? Were you 22 yesterday? 22 yesterday. There he is. Funny thing, Mike, I was um, on my way home from the fall festival yesterday, and one of the, your old, old songs came on my phone. Um, yeah, I was like, they call us real Christians. And that one, and I was like, oh, that sounds good. I like it. I was a little beat to it. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I played the whole thing through. The kids seemed to like it too. <laughs> Who enjoyed the fall festival yesterday? I know Pastor already said this, but again, I just want to thank everybody who served and, and just really just honor my wife and the team that set that up yesterday. I just saw a background how many hours went into planning that. Uh, so Sarah and team, everybody who, who, who served, great job. Give it up for them one more time. You rock. Holy finger. Is that the holy finger? Wow. That's, that's awesome. So who's been enjoying our Rhythms Message series so far? So, th- so this week is our third and final week of Rhythms, our message series, and, and, and pastors, uh, I have the privilege of, of ending it this week, so thank you, pastor, super excited to be, be closing out. Um, it, it's been really good. We've been talking about disciplines, uh, inward, outward disciplines, and how they shape our life. And, and as, as we close here on this final week, um, I, I'm going to be kind a little bit different, but kind of the same. I want to be talking about the importance of fathers because it's really fathers who set disciplines, amen? Yeah. They set the rhythm and the tempo of our life, you know? And the funny thing about, about rhythm um, and, and, and kind of art in general, right, like music, um, paintings, it's, it's these things that, that, that last the longest, that stand the test of time through our culture and our society. Yeah. It's art that we go back and look towards, right? It's, it's these things that, that, that shape our culture shape our when while we're living that that next generations will go back and, and remember those things right and and that's what that's what rhythm is it paints our life wow. it paints our life it sets the tempo for our life it, it's, wow. it's it it dictates kind of like 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 the bumpers in the in the bowling alley you ever gone bowling with your kids and they set up the bumpers it's like the bumpers in our lanes it kind of dictates how we get to where we're going right wow. and sometimes whether we get there at all 
right? So I'm, I'm super excited to be, be sharing with you guys today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I love this church. Malachi chapter 4, and this is the last verses here in uh, the end of the Old Testament. It says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Here's the good part, verse 6. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the lamb with the curse. Let us, let us pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're a very good God, and that you're not releasing curses, but you're releasing blessings. And that your heart is to restore relationship and not break it. And that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to do that. And we just thank you for your presence in this place this morning. And I just pray that you would come and do what only you can do, God. You would come and do what only you can do. That you would, you would take these words and, and you would breathe on them. You would anoint them to do the actual miracle. Because apart from you, these words are nothing. You have to come and do the miracle, Jesus. So we just thank you for who you are this morning, what you're doing in our midst. And actually, we just continue to come in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen and amen. How many of you know that uh, we're living in a fatherless world right now? That fatherlessness is actually a problem? Like, we haven't, like, we have figured out to eradicate certain diseases. You know, I'm thankful that smallpox is gone. Amen. Hallelujah. But we haven't figured out how to eradicate fatherlessness. Like, it's still a problem. And the Bible tells us that it's actually God's heart that fathers would father. And when, when, when God sent Jesus, he was very intentional how he sent Jesus. Like, he was very purposeful how he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus as a father sending his son. That's how he sent Jesus, as a father sending his son. And it's, and it's God's heart that all would come to the saving grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that they could have the same relationship with the Father that we have, right? This, this is God's desire, and I, I, fatherlessness breaks his heart. And, 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 and you know, how many of you know that God is, is, has no gender? He chooses to call himself Father, but he has no gender. And so for the sake of conversation today, we're talking about fathering. It, it applies to men and women. It applies to all. So as, as I talk today and encourage you to be a father to the fatherless, I'm speaking to all, not just men, right? And as I encourage you to receive fathering, you can be discipled, fathered by, someone can be an authority in your life who's not just a man, right? I mean, there's certain contexts where only a man can fill that role, but we're talking about fathering in, 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 today, and I just want you to know it applies to everybody, right? Does that, that make sense? So... Here we, here we are, and, and, and our world is facing, facing this issue of fatherlessness, and I believe that a lot of the problems um, that we face as, as communities today, what we face in our country today, boil down to this one issue of fatherlessness, fatherlessness. When we look at economic problems, political problems, social problems, right? We look at problems in the home, out of the home, in school, in the workplace. It comes down to fatherlessness, you know, when I, when I hear people talk about um, maybe a dysfunctional workplace, the first thing I think of is, man, the, 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 the boss doesn't have a father's heart. He's just a manager. He's just, he's just a dictator. All he is is a rule keeper. You know, there's different le levels of authority, right? There's different, different levels of authority. Rule keeper is the lowest level. They just, they just keep the rules in our life. 
we have, we all have role keepers. You know, you live in a, a city where there's police, so we all have role keepers in our life, right? We all have people that tell us when to show up to work and when we can leave work. <laughs> they set the rules. If you're in school, you might have a dress code. There's rules that we have to abide by. This is the lowest level of authority, and most people just learn to live under that authority, right? Like, okay, I, I have to do this unless I want to be in prison. <laughs> or you know, I have to do this if I want this job. I have to do this if I want to go to school. I have to actually listen to the rules. And the next level of authority we have are, are managers. And these are people that just kind of, you know, they may have a, a little bit more authority than the rule keeper. They may even get to determine some of what the rules are. But again, for the most part, it's just people we put up with. You know? These are just <laughs> these, 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 uh, people that we put up with because it is not, uh, again, authority that we've necessarily chosen to have. It's kind of authority we feel like we have to have, right? Like if, if, if you have a, a teacher, you know, a, a teacher in your life can be several different types of authority. They can just be a rule keeper. They can maybe be a classroom manager. But how, do, how many of you know that you can have a teacher and they can also be a father as well? They, they, can, they, can, they can also be a father. They can also be a mentor, right? Which ultimately is the highest level of authority is what, what fathering is. You know, uh, fathering is the highest level of authority, and the reality is, is the highest level of authority. We get to choose whether or not we, we want that in our life. We get to choose whether or not we want that in our life. And, 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 and the sad part is there's a lot of kids growing up in this country who, who, who aren't choosing. They just don't have it. You see, I heard a, a preacher say earlier this year that we are living in the most fatherless generation in which our fathers haven't gone to war. We are living in the most fatherless generation in which our fathers haven't gone to war. That means our fathers are alive, but their hearts aren't home. Our fathers are alive, but their hearts aren't home. That they're off doing their own thing. And the only time in American history where we've had less fathers present in the American home is when they were off dying in war. How many of you know that having kids doesn't make you a father? Having kids just makes you a sperm donor. Having kids makes you a sperm donor. Fathering makes you a father. Fathering is a heart posture. Fathering says, I care more about you than I do myself. How many of you know that fathers run towards trouble? They don't run away from it. They, they lay down on the tracks and let you walk over them. They don't push you through it. They lay down their life for you, and this is what God has done ultimately for us. This is the God that we serve. Um, you can do, you can do your, uh, a quick search on your own. Later today when you go home, I did a quick Google search. I just wanted to see fatherlessness statistics in our country. And there's a lot of different numbers out there. And I did my best to find the most recent numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau. And so I'm just going to read you some, some, some of these things because, because this, is a, this is a problem, right? This is a problem. And I, I ultimately believe the church has the answer to the problem. And that God is raising up the solution right here in this room. And in many churches all across the world, he's raising up the solution to give people the heart of the Father and a prophetic voice to declare truth where there is no truth. That is what he's doing. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's good. So, 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 so listen to this. A third of all children in our country are living without a father in present day-to-day life. I found statistics that were even higher. I found some that were lower. But I, I, that was pretty much the average I was seeing was a third of, of, of kids growing up in our country today don't have, don't, don't have dad as the provider. And this is a problem. And from that third, it makes up 63% of all youth suicides. 63% of all youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway youths. Nine out of ten, all homeless youths come from fatherless homes. 85% of children that exhibit a behavioral disorder. 
71% of all high school dropouts. You're seeing a pattern here. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, 70% of kids in juvie come from fatherless homes. That, that literally means we would take out seven out of 10 kids from juvenile detention center just by getting dads back in the lives of, of the kids. But the problem is that they're not there. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers come from fatherless homes. You see, our communities today have no idea what it looks like to be fathered. They have no idea what it looks like to have healthy relationship with authority. They have no idea what real discipleship looks like. They have no idea what real discipleship looks like. Pastor said this earlier this morning. We live in a, a, a culture where affirmation is welcome. Affirmation is welcome, but discipleship, oh no. You can affirm me, but don't tell me what to do. You can tell me I'm doing the right thing. You can tell me I'm doing a great job, but don't try to change anything. How many of you, how many of you know that's not actually fathering? That's called babying. That's called babying. It's not actually called fathering. It's, it, there, 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 there is a difference. And in my experience, um, I find that people actually want, want to be discipled. They actually want healthy relationship with fathers. People want this. I'll get to that in a second. Um, I, uh, I like to fish. I know I share fishing stories when I, when I preach. It's just because I, I've, got, I've got fishing stories. And, uh, <laughs> and when I feel like they fit, you know, I, I try to share them. Um, but this week I... This week I got to go fishing for the first time in like four or five months, which was super cool. I, I, you know, life is busy, right? And uh, we don't have time to do all the stuff that we <laughs> want to do. Um, but I got to go fishing on Wednesday. And so um, my dad, my brother, and I and a friend, we, we, we got in the boat and we went, uh, we went out of the inlet and we went offshore. And uh, it was a beautiful day. It was flat, calm, be- just, just beautiful. Um, and so we said, okay, we're just going to drive until we see a reason to stop until we see signs of life, until we, until we see something that says, hey, this, this is a good uh, place to fish. Um, and, and, and how many of you guys know the ocean is just a big desert? It's a big blue desert. And they, 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 they say like over 90% of all the, all the life in the ocean is in 1% of the water. <laughs> like 90, 99% of all life in the ocean is in 1% of the water. That means you really got to make sure you're in the right spot. You can't just go anywhere and say, yeah, this looks like a good spot. Let me, let me bring home dinner. It doesn't work that way. Trust me, I know. Um, so, so, we were, we, so we were driving. We left the inlet. We're driving. We go five miles out. And, and, and here in South Florida, um, it's really cool because we have, we have this huge shelf that declines really, really, really quickly. So, um, like, if you go up to, like, Jupiter or Stewart area, you're about 10 miles, 12 miles out, you're in 100 feet of water. 10, 12 miles offshore. Here, it drops 100 feet about every mile. Uh, when you're on the three nautical mile line here, you're in about 450 feet of water. So it's even more than 100 feet every mile the first several miles. So when you're five miles out, you're in more than 500 feet of water here. It gets deep very, very, very quickly. So we're driving, we're five miles out, eight miles out, 10 miles out. Now we're in over 1,000 feet of water. Nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. And there was no wind too, so it's hot. 12 miles out. 13, 14, finally, 16 miles offshore. We're in over 1,600 feet of water. We stopped. We saw a log, a log just floating there in the water. And when you see something floating, it can be a log, a long chair, anything like that, you stop because things floating in a desert attract life. 
They attract life because there's a whole bunch of bait fish looking to hide from bigger fish. So we're like, okay, there's bait fish on this log. Let's put the lines in. We're going to troll here. So we put the lines in the water and we start to troll around this log. And within five minutes, we see a mahi coming up down on, on the left rigger. He flies across the spread. The right rigger goes down. He, our buddy picks it up. I know you guys don't know what I'm saying. I'm talking fish talk. It's okay. Just stay with me. Stay with me. You guys with me? Right rigger goes, goes down. He's fighting the fish. The mahi's jumping up. I'm like, yeah! And my dad's like, okay. He's backing down on the fish. And we landed, gaff him, put him in the icebox. And we have dinner and everyone's happy, right? So, <laughs> um, all, all, all it took was, was, was life attracting life. This is what fathers are in our society today. In this desert of fatherlessness, people are actually attracted to fathering. They're actually looking for it. They actually want it in their life. And this is what God is calling us to be as a people to a lost and dying world. Amen. I want to share with you a story from, from, from my childhood. Um, gr- growing up, I, I started to know a trend in my relationships with my friends. And the, the trend I, I began to notice is that almost all of my friends um, uh, were, were living without their father present in day-to-day life. Not all of them, but it was, it was pretty apparent. It was, this was more normal with my friendships. And I don't, maybe it was different for you, and if it was, praise God, that's amazing. Um, but it was more normal in my friendships for, for, the, for the people that uh, I, I made a relationship with to just not have dad around. And if they did um, have a, a father figure, it wasn't their own dad. It was a, a, a stepdad, mom's boyfriend, that type of thing, um, or, or, or nothing at all. Um, and not for all, but... This was definitely the norm. So much so that when I um, had a friend and I started to find out about their family dynamic, I was actually surprised when they would tell me that their, that their parents were together, that dad was around. This, this got to the place by the time I was in high school when I got that answer, it was surprising. And um, I remember starting around in middle school, I would bring friends over, and, 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 and I have an awesome dad. Um, my parents are, are together, praise God. Um, I, I, I remember... Um, it, around middle school, my friends just gravitating towards my father, especially those who didn't have a dad around. And he would sit down with them, and he would start to talk. He would start to talk about what are your, you know, what are your goals? What are your dreams? Okay, what kind of grades are you getting? Why are you failing this class? When are you doing homework? And he would teach them and sit down with them on how to figure out how to take time to actually do their homework and get their grades up. And this became such a consistent thing uh, amongst several friends that I had that actually had people who would bring their report cards over for my dad to see them because they had nobody at home who would do that. That's pretty cool, right? These are the things that fathers do. They, they, they teach us values. They teach us values that set us up for success in life. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number one, fathers teach values. Fathers teach values. This is what we've been doing in our, 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 our uh, rhythm series Pastor's been going through, and he's been teaching us disciplines. These disciplines are values that are to shape your life. 
to shape your life. And when we take, take the values that fathers give us, when we take these tools, these values, and we put them to use, they bear fruit in our life. They really do. They bear fruit in our life. And, and it, 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 it. a couple weeks ago, I was in prayer. Um, and and I, got, I got caught up in the spirit. For lack, lack of better terms, that's just what happened. I got caught up in the spirit. Um, and uh, um, at the end of this, this encounter with the Lord, um, he, he, he showed me a palace. And, and, and it, the palace was, I, I remember saying... T- to God, I said, Lord, that's extravagant. Like, that's, I actually said this, Lord, that's a bit much, don't you think? <laughs> and he's like, I like extravagant. My streets are gold. I'm like, okay. Like, Amen. That, yeah, cool, Amen. awesome. And, uh, um, and then next to it, um, after I said that, I, I saw a broken down shed. I said, Lord, that shed looks horrible. It looks like it's about to tip over. He didn't say anything to me, and he, he took, next thing he took me, they're having fun. Next thing he took me, he took me inside the palace. It was actually a, a mansion is what I call it in the, the encounter, but um, he took me inside this mansion, and, and, and I, the door begins to open, and I'm expecting to see a buffet laid out, a big old table, right? Like, I'm expecting to see golden st- spiral staircases. I mean, this is, a ty- this is what the outside looked like. I get inside, inside looked like a war zone. It was nothing but ash and rotting wood, unlivable. And, and I, 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 the, the dust, in, when you have encounters with God, they're real. They're, they, I mean, you know, you, know, you know when you have a dream and the dream feels real? Yep. You have an encounter with the Lord, when you get caught up in the spirit, it's real. And I remember the dust in the room, me not being able to breathe and running out like, oh gosh, I got to get out of here. This is un- unlivable conditions, right? He takes me out and then I'm like, I said, Father, what was that? He didn't answer me. He took me into the shed. And I open the door of the shed, and I'm, surely I'm thinking as this thing door opens, the shed's going to crumble, right? Like, open the door in the shed, and the first thing I see is the glory of God in the shed. I see the glory of God in the shed. I see, I see a purple cloud of glory. I see angels worshiping. And I just begin to, to worship with the angels in that place. And then the, the Lord I, I, said to me, he said, what determines something's value? is whether or not my presence is on it. What determines something's value is whether or not my presence is on it. See, fathers shape values. And we have the greatest father there ever was. We have the greatest father there ever was. And there are a lot of people chasing a lot of things. But I just feel like he's saying to us today, what you're chasing, what you're chasing, give it a double look because if it doesn't have my presence on it, it's not worth it. If it doesn't have my presence on it, it's not worth it. Come on. That, that boyfriend that you're chasing, that girlfriend that you're chasing, that, that house you're dreaming of, that, that, that new car, that job you think is going to solve all your problems, whatever thing you think is going to be your safe, if it doesn't have his presence on it, I'm telling you right now, if it doesn't have his presence on it, drop it. Drop it. We need his presence in our life. See, the world wants to tell you what's important. Fathers have no problem actually telling you what's important. Philippians 4.9 says this. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and that a God of peace will be with you. 
Paul writes in, in Corinthians 11, he says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Paul didn't say imitate Jesus. He said imitate me as I follow Jesus. Poking at religion right now. He didn't say... (laughs) He said imitate me. He said follow me as I follow Christ. He said my words have weight and value in your life. As a father in the faith... Paul had no problem telling him, listen to what I am telling you. Because if you listen to what I am telling you, it will work out well for you. And I really want it to work out well for you. That's what he's saying to them. You see, we we are bombarded every single day with other people's value systems. Other businesses' value systems. Come on, if you're a business, you have a little bit of money, what do you do with that that, that money? You have a marketing budget. And your goal in marketing is get people to buy your product, even if it's a horrible product. Now, if you have a good product, then it actually adds value to someone's life. But they don't care who you are, where you're from, what your mama did, what what you got to spend every month. They are going to tell you that you need their thing. They're going to tell you, buy my stuff, travel to this place, sign up for this subscription, open this account. They have a different motive than fathers have. Fathers have one objective, you growing, becoming healthy, fulfilling the call, walking in destiny. Everybody else's value system, come on, when it's not in the kingdom, has has a completely different goal. Make more money. Build their idol. That's That's what people are trying to do. And fathers see past the junk. They see past the lie. Look at people aren't looking for another pep talk. People don't need another pep talk. People actually need truth in their life. And, and from my experience growing up as a kid, I, I, I saw it in my friends that they actually want to be fathered, that they actually want someone to be honest with them, not just affirm them, okay, your F is okay, I understand. Man, you have a tough, it's tough for you at home. No, how can we fix this? What can we do better here? In a fatherless world, God is raising up a people in this house, come on, to to speak truth, to give value, to impart wisdom. How many of you know it's, 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 it's never a good idea to open your own business just because you don't want to have a boss? I see a lot of people go into business. And they say, finally, I don't have to listen to anybody. That's a bad way to start a business. That's a bad way to start a business. See, you, you may see that, that, that entrepreneur, that business owner, and he, he might look like, he, or she might look like they don't answer to anybody. But I guarantee you, if they're doing well, they sat under someone for a long, long, long time. You know when you're ready to open a business? When your boss starts letting you run the business. That's when you're ready to open a business. What happens to a lot of people who, who, who see, in my industry, in the fishing industry, people think because they know how to fish, they can open a tackle shop. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That's called the bad idea, right? Turn your neighbor and say, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. I don't want to see you guys go in debt for a bad idea. 
Look, don't, don't go open a business because you don't want to have a boss. No, this is, what, this is what you do. You, you do the best job you can at your current job, and when your boss starts letting you run things, then maybe you can have a conversation with somebody who has a successful business about opening something else. Because this is the reality. You ready for the reality? This is the reality. You only have as much authority as the authority you are submitted to. You only have as much authority as the authority you're submitted to. You see, people walk, in, walk through those doors and they want to preach. And they, they see me up here and they're like, I'm a better preacher than him. And I, and I tell them, it's not about the gift. I'm a son. Amen. You, might be, you might be more gifted. You probably are. I don't know. But it's not about that. It's not about that. That's the, 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 whole, the whole thing, the, the gift isn't the point. The heart is the point. You only have as much authority as the authority you are submitted to. And we have a whole bunch of people who don't know how to be a father because they've never been submitted to a father. And you don't have to have a natural daddy to have a father in your life. I've had a lot of fathers. I've had a lot of good teachers, a lot of good coaches. Come on, you're going to get what you pull out of people sometimes. You're going to get what you pull out of people sometimes, amen? You see, the prodigal son, he was, he was chasing something he thought had value. He was chasing a whole, a worldly system they thought was going to bring value to his life. And quickly he learned that it wasn't. Quickly he, he learned that my father's value system is much better than this value system out here. Let me go back to be with my father as a servant. You know the story, right? See, what he didn't know is that what he had done wasn't going to change his relationship with the father. That his relationship wasn't dependent on his actions. And there's people in your life today, right now, that you are going to father just by being there when no one else is. You're going to add value to their life. You're going to speak truth. You're going to speak identity. You're going to give them, you're going to empower them because you are going to be there when no one else is. You see, fathers run to trouble. They don't run away from it. Yes. They run to trouble. They don't run away from it. They're not, they're not afraid. They're not afraid. I, 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 I've watched Isaac and Anastasia grow up, and that's yeah. been a privilege. That's Amen. been so cool. And I've heard pastors say for years, he tells his kids, you're in trouble, call me. You call dad. You get, into, you get into any trouble at all. I do not care what it is. I do not care what you have done. I don't care what time you call me. Yes. I will be there. Yes. I will be there. No, I don't, I don't care. I will be there. This is what dads do. Yes. I don't yeah. care what you have does not change this relationship. Amen. Yeah. Amen. This is the heart of the Father. Amen. This is what we're absent of in our, our society today. Not just in the home, but in the workplace. In schools. Come on, we need, we, need, we need men and women with the Father's heart to be principals of schools. We need men and women with the Father's heart to open businesses and become bosses. We need men and women with the Father's heart to get into the White House, to get into the Senate, to get into the Congress. We need people that actually care about the future generations of our country, the, our children, our guaranteed children. That's what we need. With the Father's heart. That is what we need. Hebrews 12, verse 7. The Bible says over and over again that the Father disciplines those he loves, right? And I really love how Paul writes it here in Hebrews. He says, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate children 
and not sons. I don't want to be illegitimate. No, thank you. Um, and the Bible tells us that discipline is actually a qualification for sonship. Discipline is actually a qualification for fathering, right? Like, th- this is what it looks like. The problem in our culture is that the word discipline is scary. Yeah. We yeah. think the word discipline means punishment. That's right. <laughs> we think the word dis- discipline means, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hurt somehow. Yeah. I'm going to have something taken away from me, whether it be time. Oh, you know, this is, when we think discipline, we don't think a good outcome. But, the, but, but that word discipline actually means something different than punishment. You know what the word discipline means? It means instruction and training. In Latin, that word discipline actually means instruction and training. So when you discipline, you are teaching, instructing, and training. You are teaching, instructing, and training. And this is, as we go through these inward and outward disciplines that we've been going through the last few weeks, that's what's been happening. It's instruction and training. That's actually what the fivefold ministry is called to do. It's called to train the saints, teach the saints, equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. Why why can you have the the gift but not be in ministry? Because you need the gift coupled with a father's heart to equip saints. Yes, 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 yes. God's talking to me about stuff, and I'm trying to stay focused here, guys. I'm trying to, man, I, I'm, I feel your pain, Pastor. Sometimes it's real. Pain is real. Focus. Here we go. Okay. Jeez. So, so, so two weeks ago, we went over inward disciplines. Bible reading, prayer, praise, and worship. Come on. These are the bumpers that shape your life. You ever take your kid bowling? And they put up the bumpers in the lanes, and the ball, ding, 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 strike. Whoa, what do you know? I bowled horribly and still got a strike. That's what this stuff does. That's not even in the notes. I'm just, we're just, we're vibing right now. This is good. That's, not, <laughs> that's what this stuff does. You want a healthy heart? You want a healthy inner life? You want a healthy inner man? Yeah. Do the inner disciplines. Do the inner stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, God says this is important. Yeah. Your pastor says this is important. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. You, you want to be successful and not be perfect? Do the disciplines. Yeah. Right? Outward disciplines we've been talking about. Serving, stewardship, sharing your faith. Same applies here. We all want to bear fruit in our life. We all want to bear fruit that endures. The Bible says if you want to bear fruit, you have to stay connected to the source. That, the, that the, the vine apart from the branches cannot bear fruit. You have to stay connected. Who wants to bear fruit? You know the best way to stay connected? Outward disciplines. This is how you stay connected to your source. This is how you stay connected to the life source, Jesus Christ. We, we do these things with our heart open. Expectation, knowing that God's going to meet us in them. And ultimately, you know, these, these disciplines, they teach us. They teach us something. Fathers teach us something in the discipline. You know what they teach us? See, fathers teach you what conviction feels like. Fathers teach you what conviction feels like. One of, one of my biggest goals with my kids is to get them to know what that feeling Right? They, they call it the conscience. Yeah. I call it Holy Spirit. Yeah. That, that feeling when Holy Spirit's talking to you, say, hey, that's not a good idea. Yeah. It's not a good idea. I, you know, I, my, my son, I see him. He'll get, he'll get the crayon, be drawn on paper for a little bit. He'll look at the wall. He'll look up. 
He'll look around. He's processing something. You know what he's processing? Conviction. Yes. I need to teach him to listen to that. That's what dads do. I need to teach him to listen to that. You have people in your life. You have people in your life. You need to teach them what conviction feels like. Hey, you know that thing you felt before you did that really dumb thing? That was conviction. Yes. Listen to it. Come to church with me. They will help you. See, the world really is crying out, tell me who I am. The world is crying out, tell me who I am. But how many of you know it's impossible to know who you are if you don't know where you come from? It's impossible to know who you are when you don't know where you come from. And people are really bad at creating their own value system. When we create our own value system, do you know what we do? You know what we do? We, we, we accomplish two things. These are, this is the value system that people create without fathers in their life. They avoid play, pain and run from ple- uh, They avoid pain and run to pleasure. Yeah, that's it. They avoid pain and run to... Pl- to blah, 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 blah. You, you know what I'm saying. This is what we do. When we don't have fathers just speaking to our life. We live for our feelings. We live for today. We need fathers to teach us values. We need fathers to speak identity. You know what happens when, when, when people are, are left to figure out their own identity? They're not very good at it because you need it spoken over you. You need it spoken to you. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Fathers give identity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes! Wow. The kids are getting something. It's good. We live in a, ge- a generation that's desperate for identity. You know, how many of you know the foundation of healthy identity is I am a son or I am a daughter? If you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else. It's impossible to know who you are if you don't know where you come from. I speak this over my kids all the time. You are my son. You are my daughter. I'll grab, I'll grab the boy's face. I'll say, Noah, look at me. He'll be like, no, look, look at me. There you go. You are my son. I am your father. I'm proud of you. Come on. I love you. Come on. I do the same thing with my daughter. You know, the, this is what God does to us. I am your God. You are my yes. people. You are my children. Yes. He spoke it over Jesus. You are my son in whom I'm well yes. pleased. Before he even started his ministry. Yes. Before he even did anything. Right? How, how, how big is the book before the ministry? It's, you know, his baptism, his birth, a couple things. There's not a whole lot in it. Yeah. Most of the content is after that. Yep. Yeah. He hadn't accomplished a whole lot yet. Nope. And God's like, I'm, I'm, that's, if that's all, I'm pleased with you. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. with you. Yeah. You see, we live in a time that's desperate for identity. And, 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 and people do not have the answer. The government does not have the answer. California recently passed a bill, recently passed a bill that next year in their public school system, starting in elementary school, starting in elementary school in sex ed, they're teaching kids that there are 16 different genders. This is what they are teaching children in the public school system in California. This this is bizarro. I'm making up noise. This is crazy. This is crazy. Right? I'm not, I, I'm not even necessarily looking for, for preachers to stand up and, 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 and come combat this craziness. I'm looking for some scientists to say, hey, what are we talking about here? Because this doesn't make sense. Like, what on earth? And the problem is, is that they see this generation's cry for identity. 
What do we have? We, we, we see communities like lesbian, gay, and transgender communities that are dealing with identity issues, and we see, we see kids, kids growing up, and they, just, they, they say things like, I'm, I'm, I'm gender binary, and I'm like, who, what? <laughs> and I'll look at them and say, you, you, you are a woman, and Jesus loves you. Yes. That's what, you are a man, and God created you in his image, yeah. and that's what you are. But no one has grabbed them by the face and said this. Yeah. And God is raising up a voice in the church today to father a fatherless generation of people that need to hear, you are not 16 different genders on whatever you feel like on any given day. That is called crazy. Bizarro. This is not, this is not, this is not it. Oh, Jesus. See, People need to know that they are not the sum of their worst mistakes. That's right, yeah. Come on. They really need to know that their sin does not define them. Just, just words that oppose that will set people free. Amen. But then you start to speak actually words of identity to people, and oh my gosh, it's life. Yeah. This is why my friends gravitated towards my dad growing up. I, I have someone who cares about my future? Yeah. Wait, wait. You, you tell me if I do these things and I can, this is what I can expect? No one's told me this before. Wow. No one told me I, I was actually smart. That's why I never tried in school. Not me, I'm saying, you know. I, 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 you <laughs> but the enemy has come in the, in the midst of this fatherless generation and just released a spirit of confusion. Yep. And I won't stand for it. How about you? Amen. I won't stand for it. How about you? Amen. Come on. I won't stand for it. How about you? Amen. Thank you, church. Amen. Yeah, come on. I'm going to try to wrap up quick here and let you guys go on time for the most part. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, the Bible says, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. How many of you know that last words are important? Yeah. Yeah. Last words are important. And Jesus said, Go and disciple the nations. Teach them what I have taught you. We talked about that word, disciplines, earlier. That disciplines doesn't actually mean punishment. Discipline means training and instructions. And how many of you know when we read this, when a lot of people read this, they read it, and they read it as Jesus saying, go and make followers. But he's not just saying, go and get people saved. He's not just saying, go and make followers. He's saying, make disciples. Yeah. That word disciples comes from the word discipline. Yeah. Yeah. That word disciple actually doesn't mean followers. It means students. It means student, and, and, and if a father disciplines his children, if a father disciplines sons and daughters, how many of you know that when we're going to make disciples, he's actually calling us to father the fatherless. Yeah. He's actually calling us to give them instructions, to teach them what God has taught us, to speak value and identity over them. It's more than just getting them saved or making followers. It's about making sons and daughters. That is what he's called us to do. And there's a generation of people dying and go to hell and I really don't want them to go to hell, but he has bigger plans than just avoiding hell. Yes. 
He has bigger plans than just avoiding hell. And he's looking for us to father a fatherless generation who's been told there's 16 different genders. And we have the answer. Last thing, if you're taking notes today, fathers leave an inheritance. Proverbs 13, 22, I love this verse. As a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You see, you have no idea what inheritance you are leaving with someone when you share your testimony. You have no idea that person you lead to Jesus Christ, how you're changing a family line. Look, we can't have a thousand intimate relationships with every single person we come across. It's not what I'm telling you to do. What I am telling you is that there will be some, and the some you need to disciple, the some you need to father, but you have no idea what inheritance you are leaving to the people you encounter just by imparting your heavenly father's value system into their life. Just by speaking identity to them, it might just be one encounter. It might be one moment. You might just get to share your testimony, but you have no idea the difference you're making in somebody's life. You have no idea what's waiting for you on the other side of eternity when we do that. You see, fathers, fathers live for legacy. They live for a time and a people they may never see and they may never know. This is what fathers do. They leave an inheritance. Fathers sow and reap so that they can leave an inheritance so that we don't have to start where they started. Pastor put a lot of time a lot of hours into crying out for the anointing, into crying out for, for the gifts of the Spirit. And people come into this house and just get it. They get it because a father said, I'm living for a time that I may never see and a people I may never get to know. And people walk in this house and get the gift. And he may never even meet them. And they go and do stuff with it. Because it's bigger than just us. It's bigger than just you. It's about a legacy. It's about an eternal reward. Fathers see past right now. And they see to a time that they will not be here for. Would you stand with me? Rebecca, can you come on up? How you guys feeling this morning? love you guys I I'm passionate about this because if sometimes it feels like we're, we're losing them sometimes as, as a church as, as just feels like there's the people are slipping through our fingers like we're not able to connect with them for some reason but that's that's the lie you actually have what they need. You actually have what they need. They need a father in their life. They need the father in their life. They need the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in their life. I want to jump back to our original scripture here. And Malachi says, Behold, I'm sending you Elijah the prophet, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of children to their fathers. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to their fathers. This is the heart of our father. Family. Family. Inheritance. He does not want you to start from scratch. He does not want you to start from the ground up. And guess what? You have something to give so that someone else doesn't have to. Maybe you did. Maybe you did. 
but you can leave a better legacy for the next. Whether it's a stranger or your grandkids' grandkids. The Bible tells us, what does the Bible tell us about John the Baptist? He says that even the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Even the least is greater than John. When the angel appeared, when the angel appeared to Zechariah and spoke it over John, said, said, hey, your son, Zechariah, your son, your son, he's going to restore the hearts of the father to their children. This is what he said about John the Baptist. And my Bible tells me that even the least is greater than him. So how much more us? How much more us will we restore a fatherless generation to a loving father? Amen. Let's do it. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, give it up one time for Corey. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me share something really, really quick why this is such a prophetic word for this day and this hour. <clears throat> the church has abandoned its responsibility to be the affirming voice to people. Corey taught us that fathers give identity. And instead of giving identity, the church has been giving judgment. And instead of people finding out who they are, they've had to create their own communities for affirmation. And so the big buzzwords in our society today are affirmation and acceptance being in a safe space. How many of you know that the church is supposed to be the safe space where we, where we find out who we are, where we receive loving discipline? But since we're not getting that in the church, the world is creating their own communities, and we can try to judge the world all we want, but the church has failed. We've failed to father our nation. We've, we've failed. Instead, we've been worried about you know, people not sinning. We've been worried about our, our economy more than we have about the morality of our nation. And it's the church's responsibility to decide that, hey, guess what? We're, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to father people who don't deserve it just like we didn't deserve it. Amen? We're going to pour in the people who don't deserve it just like God did for us. Amen? ministry team, if you'll come forward. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus for each one of us that we would have divine appointments with people who need to be invited to the house of God to be affirmed in who they are in you, Father, that they can find out they actually have a loving Father who actually created them with a plan and a purpose. They don't have to make up their own plan. They don't have to make up their own purpose. They don't have to come up with their own identity because you knew them before they were formed in their, in their mother's womb and you have a name for them in this earth and you have a new name for them in heaven. You have a name that you want to speak over them. Son and daughter, Father, I pray that you would break our heart for this lost generation, Father. You would break Break our heart for these people who, instead of judging them, that they're making up their own identity, that we would see the man, they're desperate for the word of the Lord in their life. And I pray that we will come with that word of affirmation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, yeah, if you need prayer, come forward. Uh, if you need healing in your body or you just need someone to speak a word of affirmation over you. If you need a prophetic word from the Lord, and just give up your hand one more time for the word that was spoken for what Jesus is doing in our house. We love you. God bless you. There's refreshments outside. Hug somebody before you go. Amen.